You are listening to the Paranormal Chronicles radio show. Here is your host, paranormal researcher and author of the best-selling A Most Hunted House, Gavin Lee Davis. Welcome. My name is GL Davis, founder of the Paranormal Chronicles and author of the best-selling haunted horror of Haverford West. Do you read alone in bed at night? I do hope you are safe and well. Wherever you are in the world, I send you my love from beautiful Pembrokeshire, West Wales. Thank you for joining me on my journey as I explore all things supernatural strange and alien this series is brought to you by sixth-books.com visit sixth-books.com and begin your paranormal reading adventure today if you are new to the show then make sure you press follow as all our followers are put into a prize draw to win a paranormal book every month so follow listen and explore our wonderful archive of content i have fantastic news my fantastic listeners can now become patreon vips with ad-free content early access to shows extra entries in the book giveaway and listen to this you get two free digital books and one of them is my bestseller the controversial ghost sex the violation so head over to www.patreon.com forward slash tpc vip that's patreon.com forward slash tpc vip and you could be reading ghost sex the violation tonight if you dare and enjoy a whole lot of rewards for just free pounds or dollars that's amazing value we have an amazing guest tonight to discuss ufos but before we delve deep into that rabbit hole i am very proud to announce that my new book out halloween 2020 has been launched for pre-order my new book is harvest the true story of alien abduction we'll talk more about it on a later episode but head off and pre-order now from wherever books are sold so you get your copy pembrokeshire be warned this is terrifying harvest the true story of alien abduction from wherever books are sold thank you to everyone who supports my books i appreciate you all so much on tonight's show there is a book right now called escaping from eden escaping from eden does genesis teach that the human race was created by god or engineered by ets escaping from eden has taken the world by storm it's number one in several countries including uk and the us across several categories escaping from eden is huge having sold out multiple times in the few short weeks it's been launched Escaping from Eden is a once-in-a-lifetime book. It's featured on TV and magazines and has been heralded as the biggest game-changer since Chariots of the Gods. Author Paul Anthony Wallace was interviewed on this very podcast in 2019 and was one of the highest-rated guests I have ever had with nearly 50,000 listens. You need to listen to Paul. It is Wow. I was blessed to catch up with author Paul Anthony Wallace as he embarked on his whirlwind tour to promote Escaping from Eden. We had a good telephone call recorded for your listening pleasure where Paul will discuss his theories on aliens in the Bible, alien cover-ups through history, modern-day UFO and alien government suppression, and the recent Pentagon UFO footage. Paul Anthony Wallace knows his stuff. On with the show. For people that have not listened to our original interview on Escaping from Eden, and I cannot stress enough how much people need to go and listen to that, can you get everyone up to speed on what Escaping from Eden is, and why is this different from other books of this ilk? G'day, Gavin. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, basically, Escaping from Eden argues that our world mythologies, including Genesis and our contemporary sciences, all point towards an ET intervention 
in our evolution as a species. And what makes Escaping from Eden different? It's really a journey. It's my personal journey into the territory. And that's been a really unique one because I'm a preacher, a church doctor. I've trained pastors in interpreting texts. I've served as an archdeacon for the Anglican Church. For 33 years, that was my work in the world of ministry. So when I sat down with the texts of Genesis, which was the beginning of this project, what I expected to come away with was a nice sermon series, not ETs. To be honest, I I did think there might be one or two lurking in the text somewhere, but I was absolutely blown away by what I did find in my research. And Escaping from Eden really shares that journey. So if you're someone with zero interest or zero belief in ETs, this book will absolutely meet with you and take you on a journey. I'll show you things in the Bible you didn't know were there, things in world mythologies and ancestral narratives, things in the science of the 21st century that will make you think, wait a minute, there is something here. Or if you're already convinced of ET neighbors, this book is going to give you solid information that you're on the right track information from neuroscience, DNA research, paleobiology, archaeology, and world mythologies. And a lot of the feedback I get from people who are already into ET phenomena, I hear people saying, thank you, I've actually thought this for a long time, you've given me the words. And uh, on another base, if you're a believer struggling with how God, the Bible, and ETs go together, Escaping from Eden absolutely hits that nail on the head. And it's fun. It's not a heavy read. It's an easy read. It's got a sense of fun to it. But by the end, it will be like you've taken the red pill in the Matrix. It will <laughs> change your thinking and you won't want to go back. I agree. I read it in an afternoon and I was just mesmerized. Now, obviously, I subscribe to a lot of these beliefs. It's something that I am interested in. It is something that makes sense to me. But the way you presented it, it wasn't like a huge heavy read. It was bump. You're in. You're on the journey. You're getting all these facts, all these explanations, all these little nuggets of information. And it was like, wow, this really solidified my belief. News of escaping from Eden is everywhere everywhere i go it is escaping from eden escaping from eden it's everywhere it's chart and it's number one on amazon in about four different countries it's number one on hive it's number one on kindle people are talking about it so you're appearing on coast to coast gaia tv the fifth kind tv you've got your own superb the paul wallace channel and the sub counter now it's superb the response you're getting the feedback is phenomenal you've really caught fire you are the go-to guy on this subject and it's incredible success that you've achieved. So what kind of response are you finding to the story of ET origins? Overwhelmingly positive. I'm really amazed by the response. Videos that we've put up on the Paul Wallace channel and on the Fifth Kind TV surrounding Escaping from Eden. One had more than two million views in about six weeks. Another more than a million in the same time. So there's, it's clearly tapping into an interest that's there. And as people find out about Escaping from Eden, I now have people contacting me every single day, sharing their experiences and their stories with me. And a lot of those experiences are anomalous experiences, many of them close encounters. That's been amazing for me because if I 
thought before that we might live in a populated universe and that people are having these experiences. Now, the amount of communication that just I am receiving convinces me far more of this is going on than I'd ever imagined. And if we could allow ourselves to speak on a subject and speak openly and listen to one another, I think we would be overwhelmed with evidence that there's a heap going on that we hadn't previously talked about. I've had people contact me who they will share with me experiences that they had. One guy sticks in my mind in particular. He said, I had this experience when I was 15. It was a close encounter. I've talked to my wife about it. I've talked to the guy I was with when it happened. And I haven't told another living, breathing soul in the 50 years since it happened. And that tells me that's the power of shame and ridicule and scoffing that people put towards the subject of ETs, that when people have experiences and encounters, they can be silent for 50 years because they don't want to be shamed about it. And then they contact me and they say, I want to tell you because I still need to process this. And that's really one of my motivations for putting Escaping from Eden out there to try and break that taboo so that we, we can talk about these things. 50 years ago, Eric von Daniken broke the taboo concerning possible ET intervention in our evolution. He did that with his book, Chariots of the Gods, and he made this a subject that was part of mainstream conversation. My hope is that Escaping from Eden can do that for a new generation, make it normal conversation, and shift the culture a bit. It, it's hopeless if people are having experiences like that that they can't share for 50 years, or other people who said, I've been a believer, I found these things in the scriptures, but I can't talk about these things in my church. It's not allowed. We've got to break the taboo all over again. Just to solidify, to reinforce your point today, of all days, as I went to interview you, the news broke that the Pentagon had released some UFO footage. The news site that was presenting this information, you had all the people with the, the thumbs up and the, the likes and the, and the comments. There were the majority of emojis, not that we should judge the world by emojis, the majority of emojis was laughing and all these comments below were things of the nature of, oh, somebody's been on magic mushrooms. This is just a cover-up to cover up about the world events with the coronavirus. The majority of people weren't even taking it seriously. We have been indoctrinated. We've been, you can't believe in this. There's things you can't believe in and things you can't. If you believe in this science or this possibility, then there is something wrong with you. But this is perfectly normal, which brings me to my second point, is that the Bible is probably more paranormal than any other literature on the planet, including fictional accounts of the paranormal. The Bible is full of miracles of strange people, angels, demons, people coming back from the dead, prophecies, messages from God, resurrection. Yet some things are acceptable to believe in and other things are not. Very strange, very strange. I just had to get my two cents in on that. Now, one of the things that makes Escaping from Eden so unique is that you began your journey from a faith perspective. Your work has been in the world of ministry. You've been a church fixer, a theological educator, an archdeacon for the Anglican Church in Australia. Have you encountered any negativity or resistance towards your books with the ideas that you're putting forward? Well, I'm amazed at how often I hear from people who are church people or in the ministry 
who say they are so relieved to be able to hear about this and talk about this um, with a person with a faith perspective because they're not allowed to talk about it in the churches. And again, there's there's that power of taboo. But the main response I'm getting is is positive in that way from the world of faith. There are some who contact me with more hostile opening lines. But, you know, 98% of the time, if I respond and say, thanks for your comment, um, the way I'll reach my conclusion is this and this and show my working, show my logic, 98% of the time we're friends by the end of the conversation. Yes. And they're saying, I, I see where you're coming from. And, and it can seem really unpromising at the beginning of the conversation. This is impossible because I haven't believed this before. But when we actually have a conversation, we we get somewhere and, and they end up saying, I'm going to have to read this, which is perfect. Uh, to be honest, some of my ministry colleagues have gone a bit quiet as they've seen me emerging with Escaping from Eden. Probably right now, all of us are having social lives that are a bit quieter than normal because of yes. the virus. So how much of that is because of the virus and how much because of the book, in my case, I'm not sure. But here's the thing. Only one person, one colleague in ministry has said to me, Paul, let's stay friends, but I'm not going to be reading your book. Only one <laughs> person has said that to me. So I think that's that's a fairly good score. But overwhelmingly, the response has been very engaged, very positive. And a lot of the time, it's from people who've been ruminating on this privately, and now they've been coaxed out to have a conversation about it. Well, I'm going to set a challenge to everyone listening out there, okay? The majority of people listening to this show, they know what we're talking about. They're comfortable. But for those that are listening to this and they're thinking, hokum, rubbish, I don't believe it. Paul's a great guy. He's a lovely guy. You're hearing him speak now. Pick up his book, Escaping from Eden, right? Read it. It's 160 pages, 160 fantastic pages they will blow your mind it's not a heavy read it's not a huge read it just presents it in such a fascinating and well-written way read the book if you've got a problem with the book contact paul tell him why you don't like it contact him is it paulantonywallace.com paul that's right anthony with an h and w-a-l-l-i-s for wallace paulantonywallace.com paulantonywallace.com read the book if you've got a problem tell paul why don't be stupid and just go oh it's rubbish Tell him why it offends you. Tell him why it's challenged you. And I guarantee Paul will respond to you and he will change your world. He is an amazing guy. He knows his beans, okay? Escaping from Eden talks about some ancient stories and mythologies that talk about the human race being a result of the Earth's contact with E.T. beings and in its mythologies all around the world. So if these ideas were common in our ancient past, how did that information get lost? Was it a deliberate suppression? How do you think this has happened? Well, not by accident. Um, are you ready for a long answer? Because there are a yes, lot please. of moments in history where, where you can see this suppression happening. So the first would be within the story of the Bible itself and how it came to take its current form. Now, there's a wide consensus among Bible scholars that there was a moment in the 6th century BCE when all the books that form the Hebrew canon were reworked, given a heavy edit, and turned into a, a single piece of work with a monotheist theology. So all those old scriptures from different sources, different centuries were 
monotheized. And what that means is that any foreign gods or ETs, however the editors understood them, had to be airbrushed out of the text. And now we have a monotheist Old Testament. But escaping from Eden shows the evidence in the text, even as we have it, you can see where the airbrushing has happened. But prior to that moment, there were all kinds of entities bumping up against each other in, in the Hebrew scriptures. So there's one definite moment, 6th century BCE. Let's edit all that out, simplify the story. And then the next moment came at the beginning of Christian history, around about 144 AD. There was a church father called Marcion who was excommunicated. And prior to that, discussion of human origins and whether there might have been some other entities involved in our stories of beginnings was part of the mainstream conversation among the church leaders. But when Marcion was excommunicated, that was a real shot across the bows of leaders like Clement of Alexandria, Justin Martyr, Origen, who favored Plato's story of beginnings. And they had been leaning towards the church embracing Greek thought and Plato's writings as the explanation of where we've all come from then adding the apostles' writings to that. Those church fathers believed the Elohim stories in the Old Testament were not God's stories. They were about other kinds of entity that had a hands-on involvement in our evolution. All that was got rid of, excommunicated. There's the signal. That is off topic. That is taboo. And it's been taboo more or less since that time. Then we get into the story of the Roman Empire. 318 AD, Emperor Theodosius decides he's going to be the one who decides what's real news and what's fake news. And so he illegalizes all religious authorities outside of Christianity, which had become the imperial department of religion. So all other priesthoods, esoteric sects, um, non-orthodox scriptures, all that was illegalized, pushed underground. That meant the Gnostic Gospels were gotten rid of, the priesthood that could translate the Egyptian hieroglyphs gotten rid of, and it made for a much simpler story where you've got God and the emperor at the top, then the bishops and the governors and the priests, and then the people at the bottom of this great pile in a world where being a good citizen and a good Christian had sort of become the same thing. So he got rid of all, all the other ideas and mythologies and explanations by an act of law. Uh, it's not dissimilar to if you think about what happened when the Portuguese and the Spanish conquistadors arrived in Central and South America. They did exactly the same. They got rid of the indigenous priesthoods. They burned all their literature, things like the Popol Vuh, which spoke very openly about ET contact in our distant past, all got rid of and or archived, I should say. 1600, Giordano Bruno executed for merely suggesting there may be intelligent life on other planets. This is by the church, just to make clear that this is thinking that good Catholics don't think. Can't send a stronger message than that. And then into the 20th century, think about 1947, when President Truman signs the National Security Act, which classified all official research into UFO phenomena. Those are all examples of governing authorities deciding what the story is and often very fiercely suppressing every other explanation. And so it rolls on. It, all around the world, indigenous narratives have accounts that suggest ET contact, 
but somehow these never become the news. It doesn't get taught at school. You don't hear it from presidents and prime ministers. There's, this is what the great value is in ancestral narratives and in world mythologies. And that's why in Escaping from Eden, I spend so much of my time looking at what those stories tell us. But, you know, I mean, there's a classic example right now this week in the news in the UK. Did you see that photograph of the, the big cat uh, in Cumbria? Yes. So it's it's what is it? It's a puma or um, or a panther or, or something of, of that kind. You can yes. see it in the picture. It, you can clearly see what it is. And I used to live in England and I know that this happens every so often that people see big cats. Um, I have a friend in London who took a wonderful photograph of a black panther in London back in the 1990s. You ask the farmers in Devon, are there big cats in England? They'll say, yes, we call it the Beast of Bodmin Moor. People know they're out there. But the official story, I don't know if you've noticed this, Gavin, it, it always rolls like this. The, on the news, they'll say, probably a domestic cat. Then when enough people jump up and down and said, no, no, it was a big cat and I've got a photograph of it. Then I don't know how many times I've heard this. They'll come out and say, must have escaped from a zoo. Now, please, go on. What's more reassuring? If you want to reassure people, isn't it more reassuring to say, yeah, we have big cats in England, but they're pretty shy. You hardly ever see them or to say that there are these constant escapes of dangerous animals out of zoos. But that's a great example of. People know, people know they're out there, but the, the official stories, the authorities will always say something else. No, they're not there. And that really parallels what happens with our ET narratives. I myself have seen the big cat, the beast of Boncath, which lives up in Ceredigion in Wales. I saw it with seven other witnesses, and it certainly wasn't a small domesticated feral cat. And with the big cat, they do exist, and it all comes to a decision made by the government in the 70s, the Exotic Animal Licensing Act, which meant that people had to pay a license to keep wild animals. They couldn't afford it, so what they did, they, they released them into the wild, and they bred with existing cats. And there you have it. And I think fans of the Tiger King would probably be very interested in that. But we're not going to go down the Tiger King rabbit hole on this. This incredible interview continues after these important messages. Is the poltergeist syndrome the only type of paranormal phenomena that can really be proven? Read Poltergeist, a new investigation into destructive haunting today. Available on e-reader and wherever books are sold. Visit www.sixth-books.com for more information. Become the alchemist of your world. In The Secret of the Alchemist, Colm Holland reveals how you can discover the power to miraculously change the world around you beyond all recognition and for the better. Colm will tell you the story of his encounter with Paolo Coelho and his best-selling book, The Alchemist, and how discovering the secret gave him the insights to achieve true empowerment in his life and how you can too. Read The Secret of the Alchemist today. Available from wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com to learn how you too can become the alchemist of your life.
This is Jason Bland, host of Midwest Paranormal Presents Paranormal Soup, where we stream live as a webcast every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, with guests who will blow your mind. Live ghost box sessions where you can call into the show to see if the spirits will talk to you. And the World Wide Web of Weird, with the latest in paranormal news and evidence. We're bringing the weird every Sunday night, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. Eastern, on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Paranormal entities assaulting us. Ghost sex, the violation, is the best-selling true account and study of paranormal sexual abuse. Ghost sex, the violation by G.L. Davis is available on Kindle and through Amazon. Pray this never happens to you. What if the after-effects of a near-death experience were undeniable? What if a person could suddenly produce high-quality paintings of the afterlife, or if they acquired the ability to compose classical symphonies? Read Shine On. The remarkable story of how I fell under a speeding train, journeyed to the afterlife, and the astonishing proof I brought back with me. Read Shine On today on e-readers and wherever books are sold. Visit www.o-books.com today. Does Genesis teach that the human race was created by God or engineered by ETs? Read Escaping from Eden. Today, from wherever books are sold. GL here, and before we get back to the interview, did you know you can listen to this podcast not only ad-free, but with early VIP access as a TPC VIP Patreon. As a VIP, you will get two digital books, including my bestseller, Go Sex the Violation, to keep and read, plus digital content, two extra draws in our follower monthly book giveaway, and exclusive entry into a VIP Amazon gift voucher draw. This is the spooky part. All of that is just £3 or $3 to go VIP. So go VIP today so you don't hear ads like this again. Head over to www.patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. That's patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. On with the show. So, are there authorities today that are suppressing this information? Yes, I think is the short answer. First of all, I think it's very notable what's happened in the last few months where a policy of silence and non-disclosure has shifted in the states because for 70 years we had this policy that Truman signed back in 1947 of non-disclosure. Prior to that, experiences with UAPs or UFOs was reported in the press. And you'd hear the Air Force, the Navy saying, we're pursuing these things. We don't know what they are. We'll tell you when we find out. And then all of a sudden, after Roswell, silence. Logic suggests to me they they found out, but they didn't want to talk about it. That policy shifted last year when we heard about the USS Nimitz. And the US Navy started saying, we have been engaging with UFOs. We don't know what they are. So we've gone back to that older policy. So that policy shift tells us that there is some suppression of information around this going on. And if you think about all the times when I mentioned earlier how the narratives got suppressed, books got burned. Well, all those that didn't get burned got archived. So I'd be really interested to go to the archives at the Vatican, see what they've got. Go to the Smithsonian, where all the interesting pieces 
are not on display. All the anomalous human finds from the 1800s are there, but not on display. I think that's rather interesting. I would be very interested to know what the Russian government knows, because I think it was back in 2012, Prime Minister Medvedev was recorded talking about the species that we are already in contact with and this folder that prime ministers get given in Russia detailing all the species we're in contact with. You might remember President Clinton said he asked if they could tell him about ETs and whether they were real. He wanted to see the UFO files and he was told he wasn't allowed to see them. Do you remember that? Yes. But all these things tell us that there are groups of people somewhere in the corridors of power who know more than we do. But I think one of the most interesting places to go is listen to our astronauts, listen to what our NASA astronauts are saying, because all the guys involved in the Apollo programs and the Mercury programs would be covered by layer on layer of official secrets laws. So we know there's heaps they can't say. So when people like Ed Mitchell, the sixth man to walk on the moon, comes out and says, we are in contact. Our government has information about that contact and is not disclosing it. We have access to technology as a result, and that ought to be made public. These are things he was allowed to say, even while bound by all these official secrets laws. So that tells you there's more he can't say. And if he can say that, what can't he say? He was passionate about wanting to say, that we as a species need to take our place in a community of spacefaring civilizations. And he said, we can't do that until we have acknowledged that we're part of that wider population. And he said, way back in 2001, he said, I call upon the American government to move towards disclosure in the way other governments have. So I think when you start joining all those dots, it becomes clear, yes, there are authorities that know far more than you or I do, and that uh, this surely is a time when we should be sharing more of that information. And I do believe that bit by bit, that information is being leaked out. But at the very least, think about the European Space Agency spending, now I can't remember if it's $8 billion or $80 billion dollars to get a probe up on a comet to test the theory of panspermia, test the theory mm. of whether our DNA came from outer space. When serious money like that is being spent to test that, you know that's an idea being taken very seriously, and they have reasons to take it seriously. So yes, I think there are groups of people, authorities, that know a heap of stuff. And my book touches on that, Escaping from Eden, touches on that in a couple of chapters. I remember President Barack Obama, the Ellen show or the Oprah show, he came on, and they brought this little girl out. She could ask the president any question and he had to answer it. So she said, Mr. President, have we ever had any direct contact with aliens? And Barack turned his head and he blushed ever so slightly, which was an indicator that he was having to, to suppress his answer. He was on the spot. And he gave a little smile, and you can look into this how you want to. And he gave a little smile and he said, no, we haven't had direct contact, right? And everyone immediately said, what about indirect contact? And who's the we? Who's the we? And his body language. Like we as in America, we as in the world, we as, as a human race. And it put well, him on the spot. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if you're interested in reading people's body language, go to YouTube 
and find that video clip of Prime Minister Medvedev talking about contact with other species and read his body language because he gives no impression that he's joking or having a laugh. To me, it seems quite clear he's speaking absolutely straight and he wasn't debunked. You know, uh, Putin didn't uh, go on the TV and say uh, he was only joking. It had a few too many vodkas. There was nothing to distance the administration from what he'd said. So there's another little clip to look at and uh, scratch your head over. Gorbachev in the mid 80s was doing a tour of the industrial sites in like Urals. And one of the workers said to him, have we had contact with aliens? And Gorbachev said, yeah. If he was uh, just asked, would you like a cup of coffee? Yeah, of course just openly talking about and admitting that there is aliens out there. Now, some would say Christianity is approximately 2,000 years old. Judaism is 3,000 years old with even older roots. Isn't it a bit unlikely that out of the blue, some random Australian researcher, you obviously, would suddenly stumble across the truth and declare, hey, everybody, we've all been wrong for thousands of years. I have it worked out. How do you respond to that? Well, if I was the first in two or three thousand years to say this, you'd have a right to raise an eyebrow. But uh, I'm not the first. And Escaping from Eden, part of what it does is show you that it's in the texts that are three thousand years old. But think about Plato. Two and a half thousand years ago, he was saying the things that I'm talking about in Escaping from Eden. He believed in God. But he also believed in other entities who had intervened in human evolution and fine-tuned us to make us more conscious, more intelligent. And what he wrote was believed by some of those church fathers I mentioned before, people like Justin Martyr, Clement of Alexandria, Irenaeus, Marcion. So right at the beginning of the Christian story, you have leaders saying the kinds of thing I'm saying today about human origins and saying that these texts at the beginning of the Bible are not God's stories at all. They're stories about something else. So I'm I'm in good company. Yeah. Granted, a couple of those guys did get excommunicated, but I think we need to look again at what they were saying. I think they were on the money. And in fact, it was really beginning in the 1800s. Around 1835, we discovered the Behistun inscription. And that was the translation key that allowed us to read the cuneiform tablets that we've been digging up in Mesopotamia for about 300 years. We dug up these tablets. There were these markings on them. For a long time, people thought they were just decoration. Now in the 1800s, we could read them, and we started encountering all these familiar stories that sounded like the creation, Adam and Eve, the fall, the flood, the Tower of Babel, the limiting of human life. And it began to become clear that the stories in Genesis are based on those stories. And so Christianity has been gradually coming to terms with what that means. What does it mean that the Genesis stories are based on Sumerian stories about sky people with no mention of God at all, that the stories are about another species from another planet? So some of what I'm saying is really very old. It's ages old. And I show how it's in very, very ancient mythologies. So I'm not the first person to say it, but I'm joining the dots in a fresh way and joining the dots to 21st century science and saying, look, we've got some correlations here that really deserve a bit of attention. To add to this, you now have a volume of first-hand reports of contact and close encounters. Where is Paul Wallace in this story? 
Have you had any personal encounters or experiences that you would describe as a close encounter or contact with another kind of entity? Well, there's a saying, life is lived forwards and understood backwards. Uh, and I can certainly relate to that. I have certainly had many paranormal experiences in my life. And I think most people in the world of ministry have. But in the past, I, for a lot of that time, I had a worldview that had room for God, the devil, angels, demons, us, animals, vegetable and mineral. And so when I experienced things, that was the lens through which I saw things. That was how I interpreted everything. So it's now, as I look back on experiences I've had, that I'm thinking, wait a minute, what actually was that? That was really, an, it didn't fit in any of those boxes, that experience I had. So now I look back, I can think of four experiences I had, all when I was about 20 and 21 years old, that I now believe were ET encounters. At the time, I didn't understand what I was experiencing. Now I have a grid to understand what was happening. Yeah. Um, I won't say much more than that. It might be in the sequel. Should we be worried? According to what you're finding in Genesis and in other ancient narratives, are ETs good news or bad news for humanity? Well, what I found researching Escaping from Eden is that the very first ET encounter in the Bible happens very, very early on. It's in the first two sentences. And I believe we're being shown a benign contact with an ET species. I believe what we think of as the creation account is actually telling us about the arrival of visitors from another planet who've come to help life on Earth recover and rehabilitate after a cataclysm. That's what I think is going on there. And I explore that in great depth in Escaping from Eden. If that's a new idea to you, I'll unpack all that. So the first contact is a benign one. But then as you go through the pages of Genesis, you'll find ET attacks on humanity. Um, the flood is one example. The Tower of Babel is another, where we've got to a point where there's spacefaring technology on the planet. You have to read the book to, to work out what that is. And then that triggers the arrival of some neighbors who bomb us back into a pre-language state. So there's some very dark intersections with ET neighbors and some positive ones. And all through the... Hebrew scriptures way beyond Genesis. We've got all these accounts of strange wars. You've got human colonies governed over by these Elohim, these powerful ones. And one powerful one will send his humans out to war against another powerful one's humans. And the humans are a cannon fodder. We're caught in the crossfire of this conflict among powerful beings who turned up and are, are managing Project Earth between them. So there is a light and a dark, and many times we're given a window onto a struggle over how conscious or how intelligent the powers want the humans to be. And that plays out in Genesis 3, Genesis 11, in the Popol Vuh, you can read it. It's in Greek mythology. It's in the Vedas. And some would believe we're still caught in that crossfire today. Most definitely, and I agree with that 100%. My girlfriend and I, we were watching Vikings, a great series. I don't know if you've seen that. We were watching it the other night. And pretty much every episode was one tribe fighting another, forming an alliance, and then double-crossing them, and then fighting. 
And it on and on and on it went. You've got to think that was 1,200 years ago. We've always had it in us. It's like we've been programmed to have this tribalistic nature. It's almost as if our overseers put a little something in our DNA just to make us, as you said, that cannon fodder, to always be suspicious of something different, to always have it in us to want to fight against something. We have it in us. It's inherent every day, whether it is literal tribalistic warfare, one nation against another nation. We are inherently xenophobic. We're inherently racist. Not everyone. I'm not saying everyone out there is a bad person. But if you look at how we are as a whole, a broad sweeping generalization of the planet, we have a lot of mistrust. And then that spills over into our football teams, into our sports. We take a side. We pick a side. During the UK elections, the absolute vitriol and hatred people were having on social media because one person was supporting the person wearing a blue tie and the other guy was wearing a red tie and people were clashing families are breaking up girlfriends and boyfriends are splitting up we have this inherent nature this conditioning to fight and i and i believe that was programmed into us yeah we all have a bit of the brain it's called the uh, amygdala and it's there i think that the fight right and flight happens and with that in our brain we're really easy to manipulate if you think about it most definitely we were programmed to serve a purpose the same way we we select certain animals and we condition them so that they give us x amount they give us a certain product or they are more beneficial or more resourceful to us and that's what happened with us now i'm not going to go into too much detail but my new book not going to say too much so halloween And I'm going to send it to you, Paul, because I want your opinion on this. I spent the last six years collating some ET evidence, some UFO abductees, witness encounters, personal encounters, experiences of the first all the way to the seventh kind, extraordinary investigations I've conducted. And this batch of aliens, these ETs, they're bad news. They are absolute bad news for everybody. You know, I was worried about this, Paul. I'm so glad you've answered this question because I've always been worried about what if the aliens are good? Because what I've read, what I've researched, what I've interviewed people about is absolutely horrific. And what a certain section of aliens are doing to us, it's disgusting. Well, I don't want to give away too much of what's in Escaping from Eden, but I'll just mention that there is in the Sumerian narrative and it's there in the Bible as well, mention of this body called the Sky Council, which seems to be some kind of an accommodation among a number of ET presences gathered around planet Earth, all seemingly feeling they have a state holding in the planet. And they're sort of holding each other off. And it's clear that some of them have a kinder motivation towards humanity than others. Uh, So I'm very glad it's not only one demographic that's here and part of our story (laughs) yeah because there's some kind of a stability at present and i think it would be uh, wonderful if this was something ed mitchell spoke about the sixth man to walk on the moon he felt it was really important that we reach a point where governments can disclose what they know so that we can act collectively as a species and stand up and take our place in a community of spacefaring civilizations. Because as long as we can't do that, we're really very vulnerable. Most definitely. And then you've got to start wondering why was Donald Trump so keen to 
start the Space Force. What was behind Reagan's thinking in the right. 80s? You know, he spoke to Gorbachev in Reykjavik, Iceland during that very famous peace treaty. And one of the things they signed together was, should there be an extraterrestrial attack? But they would put aside all differences to work together to face in this challenge, which I thought was very interesting from the two most powerful men on the planet at that time. He could very easily have obliterated humankind. So when people read Escaping from Eden, will they come away hopeful or will they be breaking out the tinfoil hats and hiding in a cupboard? Well, I think people will find Escaping from Eden a really hopeful read. I'm particularly intrigued by the fact that many of the cultures that uh, include this narrative of ETs in our origins talk about humans having higher capacities that have been dialed down. That's part of a story, the Mesoamerican narratives, uh, the Sumerian Genesis, it's there in the Greek. And in Escaping from Eden, I talk about some of the evidences for that in neuroscience. And looking at that raised for me the possibility that we can operate at a higher level, that we can upgrade, to put it that way. I don't think it's any coincidence that the cultures that have maintained these stories of ETs in our origins have also curated methods, modalities for heightening our consciousness. Some have tea ceremonies, smoking ceremonies, breathing disciplines, and they're all aimed at heightening our consciousness, making us less fearful, more awake, more aware, and tapping more of our potential. And that's where I got to by the end of Escaping from Eden, that when we understand where we've come from, what what the stories of our beginnings are, it opens up whole new possibilities of what we can be and how we live this life. What's next from the world of Escaping from Eden? This is more than a book now. This is the movement. The YouTube channel's doing well. You've got a sequel planned. How can we keep up with what you're up to? How can we learn more from you, Paul Wallace? Well, absolutely start with the book if you go to amazon.com or barnes and noble kindle wherever books are sold buy the book put your review up that's step one you can go to the paul wallace channel on youtube and subscribe there go to the fifth kind tv also on youtube and subscribe there go to my website paulantonywallace.com and you can keep in touch with me through all of those platforms and i'll be updating you with what's happening with escaping from eden other projects in the pipeline, some film projects, new book projects. And some of what people are sharing with me through these platforms, uh, through that you can become a stakeholder in what I'm doing in the sequel. So watch this space, get on those platforms and get into conversation with me. Very easy to do. PaulAnthonyWallace.com. PaulAnthonyWallace.com. Find him on YouTube. Escaping from Eden is everywhere. It's literally everywhere. It's dominating the charts. You will not be able to miss it. So please, could you leave our listeners with a final thought? If you're running out of things to Google during this current lockdown, Google the subject acquired savant syndrome. And you'll find there's this field of study among neuroscientists around the world, real scientists, peer-reviewed science, And I won't say too much about what acquired savant syndrome is, but if you look into that, you will come away with so many questions, which you can begin to answer when you read Escaping from Eden. So that's acquired savant syndrome. That's it. 
Marvellous. So there you have it. Escaping from Eden is dominating the book and Kindle charts all across the world and is a superb read. Read it and change the way you see the world. Escaping from Eden is available from wherever books are sold. Trust me, you need to read this. Head over to johnhuntpublishing.com for more information on the book. Head over to paulanthonywallace.com for more information on what Paul is doing. Paul, Thank you so much for your generous time. Thanks for being on the show. Oh, Gavin, thanks so much for having me, and I'll look forward to the next time. There we have it. What do you think? Were we created by aliens, by God, or are we an evolutionary fluke? Maybe you have another theory. Let us know on our Facebook or Instagram, The Paranormal Chronicles. Just follow the wolf. Escaping from Eden is a compelling journey into our past. And Escaping from Eden is available wherever books are sold. Get yours as quick as you can as it's selling fast and has sold out a number of times already. Paul is a wonderful man. He believes in his work and bravely offers us all an insight into the possibility of something tremendously wondrous, something to be embraced. Paul can be contacted through his website, paulanthonywallace.com. That's Anthony with a H. And there you can find further information on the craze that is sweeping the world. That craze is Escaping from Eden. His YouTube channel is superb. If this is your first time listening, then please press follow so you never miss a show and so that you are entered into our monthly prize draw to win a book. Plus, go off and explore our archive of amazing content. There is so much there to open your mind. Go VIP and become a Patreon today by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash TPC VIP. That's patreon.com forward slash tpc vip the rewards are awesome and you could be reading ghost sex the violation tonight let me leave you with this wherever you are in the world i do hope you are safe you may be alone but you are still loved and we will get through these hard times you are important and your life matters we are all here for a reason and you must know you are amazing i am your host gl davis this was the paranormal chronicles podcast Thank you for listening. Sleep well.